This podcast is sponsored by Radius Commercial Real Estate. Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be with Steve Golis, co-founder of Radius Group. And we're going to talk about a wide range of topics, but we're going to dive right in and talk first about the world of apartments. And that's, you know, that topic is really interesting, particularly here in Santa Barbara, the South Coast, Santa Barbara County, the Central Coast. Let's start specifically with the state of this world in the context of COVID-19. Are we seeing any sort of impact in terms of investments into apartment spaces? What was it like before? What was it like now? How are you today, Steve? I'm good, Josh. So Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. What's going on in this industry, industry in the current context? There's a couple things going on right now. There's the COVID has definitely affected the universities uh, of UCSB, Cal Poly, and Cal State down below. I ca- I've been doing what I've been doing for 41 years now. I'm co-founder of a Radius Group, and I just do apartments, and I cover the Central Coast from Camarillo to Paso Robles. So the way it is it affected it is the occupancy loads in, in Cal Poly area and Isla Vista area are not as great as they are were before mm. because a lot of kids are staying home because of virtual learning. In fact, Chancellor Yang or the, sent out an email about two weeks ago, about a week before school started, and encouraged the students to not sign any new leases until next school year. However, though, a lot of parents and a lot of kids <laughs> were going, I don't want to be living at home. The parents are going, I don't want you living at home, and they want to have their freedom. But Isla Vista is definitely, as an example, is not as crowded as it used to be. And some uh, some buildings are full. Some buildings have a couple of vacancies. So all, overall, Isla Vista is probably 85 or 90% occupied, where mm. it's usually 110%, basically. <laughs> and especially with the dormitories are closed right now, you would think the overflow would, would go in. So COVID has definitely affected the student rental Uh, But that'll clean itself up because all indications are that's going to open itself back up early next year. Uh, Pac-12 is back. They're doing football. So there's the likelihood is the the scuttlebutt is the universities are going to open up again soon. Mm -hmm. On the non-student rental front for the COVID-related, there are uh, state orders that you cannot – uh, evict somebody, which is a good thing, because if they lost their job or or income for COVID related. However, it's not in San Diego. Santa Barbara has passed something similar also, and the governor just extended that and the state assembly till the end of March, mm-hmm. where it ended uh, a week or two ago because they thought everything would be done by now. So it's not rent forgiveness. It's the same thing with commercial properties. They extended that also, if like business that have been closed, like gyms and restaurants, mm-hmm. where it's harder for them to make rent. So it's not. It's a longer time to pay back the uh, rent. The the double-edged sword on it a little bit on that regards is that if you have residents in there or you have commercial people in your space as well, and it's all good and you want to help everybody and you do want to help everybody. As and most landlords are really good people actually. But the problem is, so to speak, is, well, the banks still want their mortgage payment mm-hmm. or, the, or the county still wants their property tax payment or the insurance person still wants their insurance payment or the water companies or things like that. So they're not giving you forgiveness or extended pay. So it's a balancing act a little bit right now. But overall, because I deal with it so much, where we go by rent collections, most rent collections where they're usually 98, 99, 100% because there are some instances. But most rent collections right now uh, from the property managers I speak with and owners that maybe manage their properties themselves 
are still quite high. It's like 85, 90%. So it's not affecting it too much, but it's affecting it a little bit in the sense of where, vac where if a property, if a unit is vacant, it's taking a little longer to rent it out because people are not moving as much as before. Yeah, and that has to be something new, right? I mean, we're always sort of here in Santa Barbara, the South Coast, there's, there's plenty of supply, right? I mean, there's no. pl always sort of people who want to rent. Oh, right? yeah. Plenty yeah. of supply there, yes. Yeah. We definitely, though, we on the Central Coast, we have a lack of housing just all across the board. Right. Um, there, for example, I think the latest figures uh, from the state, there's like 5 million people that moved out of California. Uh, and unfortunately, we're losing a lot of the tax-paying people, yeah. and six million people moved in. So there, there's definitely a balance that people are moving out, people are moving in. Right. Uh, however, it's, it truly is a lack of housing just up and down our whole state, actually. Yeah, no, we definitely do not have enough buildings. No. We do not have enough homes for people. No. So it's interesting that like when you talk about Isla Vista being 85% capacity, that's sort of new, because usually Isla Vista's bursting at the yes. seams with with people who yes. want to, to rent. And then here we are in Santa Barbara. So let's transition into supply, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, are we gonna see anything come out of this? Or were we seeing anything before this in terms of a culture shift, a change? We know there's lots of state demands in terms of communities building more housing, mm -hmm. more apartments for for uh, working class people. And, and are we gonna see that shift? Or is it just is it just too hard? Is it too expensive? I think it's too expensive. Yeah. It'd be until they change the um, the fees associated with each city, make it a little more user friendly. The state has big goals and that are not reality as far as their pie in the sky figures on how much housing units each county has to build. It's just not possible. And for the most part, right now, where you could build maybe in which are areas out of areas that I cover like the Inland Empires or Central or Central Valley and things like that, where it maybe is easier to build. But for the most part, folks want to live on the coast, yeah. which is the areas that I, like you and I, right? We yeah. want to live on the coast. We love our beach and we love the people of our communities and things like that. And and so people love that quality of life. They don't want to deal with, you know, 110 degree weather. But the reality of the land, as an example, is challenging. Yeah. And then also the price to buy that land. And then by the time you build it, for the most part, right now, compared to where things are selling in the price per unit category of up and down the coast most times you, when you start building it you're going to be you're going to be above water before you even build right. so it doesn't make sense uh, but the thing that the, our city of Santa Barbara has done which is actually I think a, a good thing is they do the accessory drawing units and you can maybe add some bonus units to try to meet the state demands which is a balancing act so that way you don't have to ground up and you can build one or two more units and everybody if they they open that up with two or three units on each property and create bonus density is what it's called yeah. which a lot of developers know way better than I uh, that's going to satisfy a lot of the needs of the housing you know, with, with uh, residential uh, properties, apartments so scarce, mm -hmm. what do you do, what do you work with when you're, when you're talking to a client in terms of their investments, when they're looking at what should I put my money into? Uh, what are the factors that you, you consider when you're dealing with such a scarce availability? Well, again, I'm, I'm an apartment guy, so I'm yeah. definitely prejudiced <laughs> in what I say yeah. in the sense of this, which um, 
is a lot of folks right now, uh, even though the stock market is doing very well, and I'm, I'm definitely not a financial advisor there, yeah. but I can tell you firsthand that I've had a, numerous, numerous clients over the decades that have said, you know, I'm just a little leery of the stock market and uh, apartments, I want to go in, into that. And what, <clears throat> what was one of my lines kind of thing is no matter what happens in our digital world, which I shared with you earlier, is if you would have bought, as an example, like a Barnes & Noble 10 years ago, or Circuit City, or a JCPenney, or a Macy's, or as an investor, and had that triple net, where that means the tenant pays all the expenses, mm-hmm. and you get the money in. Well, you had an absolute gold investment, you, and which are called coupon clippers for people, because they just, they may be in their later years, and they want to retire, and they just want that check coming in each month, mm-hmm. and had a corporate giant doing it. Well, that, that world has changed in the last 10, 15 years with the Amazons and Googles and, and, and at Walmarts where everything's delivered to your door. Mm-hmm. But no matter what happens with that or virtual fitness or whatever it is, people need a place to live. Yeah. And and that's never going to change. It, it, it can't change because we need, you want a roof on your head. Yeah. Or most people, right? right. <laughs> Maybe some people don't, but I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that is wonderful with apartments and has been for for forever really is it's truly one of the if not it truly is the best performing loan on the books for banks and and savings and loans mm-hmm. as opposed to where there's been when when we had our corrections when the financial collapse happened in 2008 2009 other properties went down quite a bit there were a lot of foreclosures and homes right. and things such as that apartments little to none actually in the areas that I cover Uh, and during that time rent stayed flat uh, where other other sectors like office retail uh, went down definitely a strong and which I'm not the best to talk on but a strong strong sector like apartments is industrial industrial seems to weather the storm quite quite well but apartments as an example right now Josh is that Loans right now are, which we never thought we would see again after the rates went up a little bit, and and you have to bear in mind, to me, these are cheap. I started when Jimmy Carter was president. And when Jimmy Carter was president, thank goodness I was only uh, 10 when I started, no, 19, but um, I was going to college at the time, is the rates were 18, 19 percent. Oh, my goodness. So, and that's when different loan product types came out in the world. But right now, loans for apartments are in the low threes yeah. on, on a percent. To me, when I talk to clients, I go, the money's almost free. So what happens in the apartment world, or the investment world, actually, you have something called the cap rate, where the capitalization rate is your indication of how much money is left over after all expenses. And so, for example, if it is a 4% cap rate and you bought the building for cash, whatever the value is, that means you're getting a 4% return on your money hmm. after vacancy and things such as that where there's some, you make some educated analysis things on based on expenses. And so with loans that are in the low threes, that's what you call in the investment world positive leverage. So you're making money right off the bat. And the other thing you're doing is you're getting those tax depreciation schedules, uh, which are, are large, uh, which are, so there's just a lot of positive attributes to invest in the in the apartment world and in the commercial real estate world too. So um, it, it just money is plentiful. Capital is so plentiful right now. There's so much money out there and there's still a lot of exchanges going on right now, which is 
you would think is unusual. The big, the biggest issue right now, and that changes mm-hmm. month to month sometimes, maybe not month to month, but every six months or so on, is for the last couple of years, it, the inventory is very scarce. Yeah. Uh, people are holding on, and rightfully so, in a lot of ways, but sometimes things come on the market where there's a need for a sale, such as uh, an estate or a divorce or mo- moving out of the area and want to take their investment pool with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people, there's some people out there right now that are saying, you know what, the market's pretty dang good. Capital gains are, rates are pretty good. Some people are concerned whether wherever you sit politically, well, if, if, if the, the administrations change, tax rates could go up, capital gains could go up, nobody likes paying taxes. And if that happens, it's if, if, if. So some folks are going, you know, it's a good time for me to sell out. Um, where a lot of people, it's an older generation now. I'm the tail end of the baby boomers. So a lot of these folks are now have acquired all their wealth and are saying, you know, it's a good time. I've made my equities and it's a good time to transition out and, and maybe move into finance, different financial sectors. So there's a lot of great things happening right now. Overall, the market, even with the COVID, mm-hmm. the market is still good, pretty good. So even even with the things which I none of us have ever experienced, and again, I've been doing it 41 years, I, I can tell you this pandemic hasn't stopped people wanting to <laughs> do investments. Mm-hmm. People want, maybe in the first month or so or two months when yeah. everybody's figuring it out, but now we're all back and moving, not full steam by any stretch, of course, uh, but folks are going, I, I'm a real estate junkie, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm a stock junkie, or I'm a bond trader, or whatever it may be, and that's not going to slow them down, and it's not slowing them down. Mm-hmm. And the banks are super busy. Uh, the residential market, as an example, which I'm not a residential, which we, you and I were chatting about, yeah. but that market is just on fire, the mm-hmm. residential agents tell me. So the banks are just super slammed. The escrow companies are super slammed. And I think what I've heard from residential agents, a lot of the folks that are uh, in the bigger cities, like in, in, in our areas, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and so on in between, you're going, you know what? I don't need to live in the big city anymore. The office environment is probably going to change. Right. It's not the reality anymore. So they're going, I want to move to that's, I mean, look, I mean, we had Prince Harry and Meghan Markle <laughs> land in our area, right? right? Who would ever thought the, <laughs> well, they're not royal people, I guess, anymore, but right. still, there's a lot, a lot of big names that are moving into our area that probably wouldn't have thought of it before. Yeah, we're seeing this entire shift in this idea that you need to be in the big city, of yeah. course, because you need to be near the corporate offices, because now we know we can we can work remotely. What's sort of different when you look at the region, Santa Barbara versus Santa Maria versus San Luis Obispo, when we're talking about apartment investing? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more supply, obviously, the more north you go. So what are some of the the differences when you're sort of trying to explain to an investor when they're trying to decide Santa Barbara versus Santa Maria versus Paso sure. Robles or something? Sure. The, In my opinion, when I counsel on clients, in my opinion, Santa Barbara, I say, is kind of the blue chip. Yeah. Um, but the other areas are darn, darn good. Santa Maria, you're um, – well, actually, Santa Barbara and – when I say Santa Barbara, I mean Glida and Carp also. So we call it South County. So South County and South County of San Luis Obispo, where San Luis is and uh, the Cal Poly and, and that community, they're actually very similar. Uh, maybe not exactly the same as price points, but very, very vibrant communities that a lot of people are attracted to live in. 
that when you get to Santa Maria and Lompoc uh, in our North County, extremely good investing areas. Uh, but it's a different different clientele where you're going to have more of the um, agricultural, retail, uh, things like that. So in Santa Maria, as an example, right now in Santa Barbara, again, cap rate, as, your, as I shared, is your indication of value. That's the, the standard, basically. Mm -hmm. And then you go to price per door. So cap rates in Santa Barbara, for example, right now is about four, plus or minus 20 basis points. And then Santa Maria is always run higher. So meaning you get a little more bang for your buck in Santa Maria. You get a little more bang for your buck in Lompoc. But the, on the flip side to that right now also is that it's just hard to find inventory. Mm -hmm. The inventory is just very, very light. The rental market actually in Santa Maria, the rental market all up and down the Central Coast actually is doing extremely well. It's mm -hmm. a very tight market even though it's loosened up a little bit, like I, when I was sharing because of the COVID right. and market has, it's still, the rents haven't gone down. They've maybe stayed flat, but there's definitely more choices out there for residents that are looking to move. Yeah. There, there's, there's, whereas opposed where you had 10 applications in an hour, at least you can look and think about it for a week and go, yeah, I think me and my wife or me and my friend or whatever, we like this unit, we'll get back to you in a couple of days, as opposed to, well, you better make a decision soon. Right. That's not the case anymore. Mm. And also in in uh, in our tent, in our area, uh, the the housing authority uh, run by Rob and Skip, they they're doing a great job, and we've built a lot of affordable housing here yeah. locally, um, and also in the county where where um, uh, Bob Havlicek and John Polanski run our county of Santa Barbara housing authority. They're doing an amazing job also with keep providing housing within our county. Um, so th there, there's a lot of great things happening, and each area is a little balanced. So, for example, it's going up in the coast from, like, Camarillo is a great rental market. Ventura is a great rental market. Some sections of Oxnard are a little challenging, but most parts of Oxnard are a great rental market. You move over to Santa Paula. Santa Paula, uh, probably similar demographics to Santa Maria but very strong rental market mm -hmm. so again in the areas that I cover yeah. they're all very vibrant and strong but that is because it's really hard to build we really haven't built any massive housing stock mm -hmm. in a long time there's a hundred units that pop up here maybe ten here but it cannot keep up with the supply and demand mm -hmm. it's just it's just not there yeah. and more people are wanting to live here like the reason you and I and people listening want to live in this area this podcast is sponsored by Radius Commercial Real Estate. For over 40 years, Steve Golis at Radius Commercial Real Estate has served the South Coast and Tri-County markets as the undisputed leader in multifamily investment sales, amassing more than $1 billion and 13,000 units sold over the last decade alone. With acumen for market analysis and connecting investors with the right properties, Steve is the go-to among local investors looking to capitalize in this unique real estate category. For unrivaled results in the sale or purchase of your residential income assets, contact Steve Golis at Radius Commercial Real Estate at www.radiusgroup.com or 805-965-5500. Yeah, my wife and I brought our first house in your, your area, Solvang, you know, when we yeah, first, first first started. And uh, then we came back to Galena. We're right by Isla Vista now. So oh. 
we're over there in Stork Ranch. And well, I, I tell you that you know it's kind of nice to have a little less uh, you know, <laughs> hustle and bustle. Yeah, right. Well, it's, it's it's the same thing in apartments in a, in a way as that. And the reason I moved into um, San Inez, I, I have horses. So and at my price point at the time is uh, really the only place I could go to have a horse really was Hope Ranch. And things I was looking, at, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money to. Uh, how am I going to make the mortgage payment or whatever kind of thing. And San Inez, you just get more bang for your buck up there. Yeah. And so you can, and, and it's the same, it's a similar deal to apartments in a way, right. really in the sense of where you're buying in Santa Barbara, well, and you buy in Santa Maria, you're you're just going to get a little more bang for your buck, but you can have a different clientele, not a bad clientele by any stretch, great people. Uh, it's just a different deal, mm-hmm. and, but it's not a bad deal. It's a, it, they're just, and some, and for example, some people in, in the apartment world, Josh, what they do is they rate apartment buildings like the bigger guys. Is this a class A building, a class B building, or a class C building? There's no class D to my knowledge, but it may be something in super rough, rough areas, but we don't have those. Mm-hmm. So class A is something, a large building with all the amenities and things like that. Class B is a step below that. And class C is basically the, um, the working class building. So for the, the blue collar, uh, maybe folks starting out and things like that. I have some investors that go, I want nothing but class C buildings. Because the same thing on that analogy a little bit before with the, if you bought a uh, Circuit City or things like that. In the class A buildings, well, if you and I lose our job, well, it might be hard for us to pay the rent on the class A. The class C person, really for the most part, that's a very, very steady 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 job where it doesn't go up much it doesn't go down much but you know you're gonna you fill it up and you clean they're clean very clean buildings but they just don't have these massive amenities um so and some people go on the flip side i just want a class a we have very few class a buildings in our in our central coast a lot of class b for example in santa barbara in south county here as you know because you've been been here i think you shared 20 25 years is really most of our housing stock and apartments within the South County were built in the 60s yeah. and or 50s or even 30s like the bungalows with like the really classic things that investors love to get they have a high price point so we've never really built large buildings like Mr. Tobes built some buildings out in Goleta and some and uh, uh, some other guys out by the Los Caneros business park which are right. very high-end buildings for our area but if you go to like the big big places or not in even California, they go, that's no big building. This is a big building. Here we have we have retail, we have spas, we have gyms, we have pools, we have this. We can't do it here. We just don't have it. Yeah. it it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, if you're talking to somebody about investing and we look at sort of uh, Isla Vista, okay, mm-hmm. and there's always this sort of perception that well, students are students. They're going to live wherever they're going to live. They just want to be near the beach. Uh, some of the units are sort of nice. Some of them are not. Uh, is would, would an Isla Vista multifamily apartment, would, would that be class B, uh, those kinds of investments? Yes. yes. Pretty much? Yes, okay. pretty much. So if you're an investor, do you want to invest in something like that where you know you're going to always have people who are going to be renting because it's just sort yeah. of that that's location, that culture is really important? Or do you want to look at something maybe a little more? Um, well, you know. 
Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to talk, but, yeah, but, no. but, but I'm glad you brought up that because I touch on that point is student housing actually is a very strong, strong sector even, and every, nobody doubts that it's going to come back when the, the, the pandemic subsides itself a little more. But the great thing about student housing and the reason it's become a, a, uh, a more sought after sector in a lot of ways, because you might know that last year, 2020 becomes a blur sometimes. It was either this year or last year <laughs> that the state passed AB 1428, which was a rent cap. Yeah. So a rent cap right now it's a it's five percent plus CPI increase. So so you can you, you can rent you can raise rent once a year. Uh, right now today six percent. Uh, uh, six eight months ago when the CPI was a little more, it was almost eight percent. However, with that being said, is when the person moves out, you can go to market rent. So the, the reason a lot of people are attracted to university housing is because the, the likelihood of a student staying there 10 years or three years uh, is minimal to none. Yeah. It could happen, sure, it could. But so that means when the student moves out after one year or two years or, or, or so on, well, then you, you, you fix up the apartment and so on and you can raise to market as opposed to maybe some of the buildings in our downtown area or uh, areas that are people stay in for a long time and that's great uh, but you're limited on what you can increase that could change uh, for everybody really if uh, which obviously I'm not a uh, proponent of but a prop 21 passes which is a rent control initiative on the ballot coming up in yeah. 30 or so days uh, that that could change it and that could have some you know bring me back in 60 days if it does pass if it'll allow, what kind of impacts that'll have on investors sentiments and so on and so forth um, but right now because in prop 21 you cannot go to market rent after the person leaves you have to stay what the last rent was plus an, an increase yeah so that could change the dynamics on the student but right now student housing is is sought after because of because of that it's a good investment it's a great investment yeah yeah and, and <laughs> Uh, when I was out there is so and it's still the same you know Del Playa rents first right. Del, Del Playa starts renting in November like in a month uh, November yeah. December even now and Del, for the most part Del Playa across the board is 100% occupied and then then it starts the the the, the wave of applications start going into the interior of Isla Vista just stay with IV I can talk about Cal Poly but Isla Vista is only one mile by one mile so it's very compact right yeah. as we know and then and then then it moves moves out as it goes and the further away from the campus usually the they're the buildings that le lease out the last uh, so but right now that's not the case but no even right now with what the virtual deal yeah Del Playa full right absolutely full and Isla Vista is just the student rentals just are kind of they're just kind of blue chip in a way. Mm -hmm. the, the the problem, so to speak, which is not a bad thing, is with student rentals is that, well, like we all were when we were 19 or 20, probably didn't take care of the place the best. Yeah. So you, but you get larger deposits and parental guarantees. That's pretty standard everywhere, because you're not going to have somebody guaranteeing the lease that's 18 or 19 and maybe doesn't work. Mm -hmm. 
So usually your, your turn costs, which they mean when the person moves out and you fix it up, that's why, I don't know if you've ever been out there in Isla Vista when the kids, in the normal years, when they move out in June, mm -hmm. there's like a two-week window. It's, there's construction crews out there 24-7 for two weeks. Mattresses everywhere, tons of, tons of trash everywhere. It's, it's just the nature of the beast. So yeah. if, you, if you can't stomach, so to speak, where you want to see your unit, go, oh my goodness, I just put paint and carpet and I <laughs> granite countertops and then you see it eight months later and go, oh my goodness, what a destroyed. mess. Destroyed. <laughs> well, probably student housing's not for you. Right. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that do want it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I've covered many stories. Uh, you yeah. know, when you sort of see all the furniture out, yeah. and there's a lot of it, sidewalk. right? There's yeah, a lot. There, there is, and uh, sometimes I'll walk with my uh, daughter because we live nearby, and we'll go to the beach and we'll cross Del Playa, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, look at all this stuff that's out here. It's kind of kind of fun <laughs> visual experience. But investment in student housing, even with COVID, is is good because we strong. know that it's pretty strong, at least in this area. Okay. I, I, in really, investments in apartments across the board in the areas that I cover, which yeah. is the Central Coast, is very very strong. So you brought up uh, Prop Twenty One mm -hmm. rent control. So can you give us sort of the the skinny on that? Uh, how impactful would that be to the industry if that passes? I think it would be very impactful. I, I don't. I don't think it's it definitely with with incomes down, job losses, and things such as that. It, it's it's not because it affects it affects the landlord too, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And we already in the in my opinion in the and some people obviously that are not on that same side won't agree. That's fine. Is that we already have rent protections in there. Santa Barbara has just cause, which is a good thing, where mm -hmm. so, you have to do displacement funds. They just passed, as I shared earlier, AB 1428, which puts a rent cap on apartments. So it, it, say, it, it, it protects the resident, which is a good thing. But rent control where, for example, the city of Santa Barbara, which they, they, they squashed, uh, they were trying to, in my opinion, sneak in something for the city where, where a couple council members were put in something with the just cause and a very large relocation fee, which nobody could afford. Well, this is that, that memo yeah. they, they yeah, the mem together. Yeah, the memo, and then they wanted to put in a 2% rent cap per year, yeah. which is ludicrous because it, it's done for the right reasons, I believe, in their in their head, but a lot of these folks are not business people, in my opinion. But 2%, your, your utilities go up more than that each year from the water and everything else where you have no control on. So the landlords would be above, below water every year and getting worse and worse and worse. So glad, gratefully that that um, got stopped because what happened with that, there's something called the Brown Act where they were trying to <laughs> vote on it. Do you know about the Brown Act? Yeah. A little yeah, bit? Yeah. yeah. So you have to go to public public hearings and yeah. things like that. So you can't just sneak it in and vote on it the next day. Mm -hmm. So that's where they got caught kind of thing, which is fine if they want to bring it up and bring it up in public proposals and, and argue it out on both sides. But that would have been very damaging for the city of Santa Barbara in so many ways. And it wouldn't have protected the residents at all. Yeah. It would have been worse. It would have been damaging. More impactful. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, what about Prop 15? Uh, can you give us sort of the yeah. skinny on, on that? Yeah, Prop, Prop 15 um, is, well, <laughs> I urge, but because, uh, again, real estate guy, I, I urge, strongly urge no votes on Prop 21 <laughs> and no on 15. No on 15 is the split tax roll. So where, where they would go, not, it doesn't affect apartments, it doesn't affect homes. But everybody uh, in the know says that'll be the next deal where they'll, they'll, affect, they'll come after your Prop 13 
as, yeah. which we all know, on your homes and apartments. That would have a huge damaging impact. So Prop 21 would be like where we're sitting right now. It would affect the taxes on this building, property taxes. It would affect the taxes on retail. It would affect the taxes on restaurants and things like that. So basically those costs have to get passed through somewhere. They just have to. And so they're going to get, you know who they're going to get passed through to? Us. Mm -hmm. So when we go get our cup of coffee or we go get our meal or the restaurant owners will have to raise their price. They, they have six dollars yeah, for right? a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, but they have to raise their prices. Yeah. They, there's no choice. Um, and the re what I heard was, but I'm probably, you probably need it, Ed, somebody that's like a, on the No One 21 committee kind of thing. Uh -huh. But the reason they put that out there is to, grab, so to speak, the Disneys of the world or the Lockheed wow. Martins or things like that have had the low tax base for decades. Yeah. Uh, however, with Disney laying off, as an example, so many employees right now, right. or the airlines, or there's a lot of things, it's like they can't afford it. They're, they're, they're struggling themselves. It's just not the right time. Mm -hmm. And there's Prop 13 was put in there because it was going out of control of the property taxes way back when. Yeah. So uh, can we talk a little bit about you and your story? You've been doing this for yeah. 41 years. Yeah. So uh, can you tell me where you uh, just where you grew up and how sure. you came to Santa Barbara? Oh, thanks. What you, how you decided to go in this industry? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, um, I'm from New York. Oh, okay. and But my, my dad, we took a family vacation uh, went to see my aunt and uncle who just moved to the San Fernando Valley. And I was 13 and my dad took a, uh, he didn't, he was in, he was, had he didn't know what he was going to do when he got here but we took a family trip up to santa barbara from canoga park in san fernando valley and he goes santa barbara is great he goes <laughs> kids we're moving so we he just packed up we left our sold our house in new york and long island oh, okay. and uh moved out here so i don't think i would have been i think i would have been different not bad mm -hmm. if i was still there because now for example i, I live in san inez and i'll go back to where and i so i'm in the ranchero visadores on santa barbara trail riders i'm very active in the fiesta been a fiesta parade for decades the rodeo this was a hard year for you yeah oh gosh yeah i was a, and I'm, I'm current president of one riding group and that all got canceled uh -huh. so i'll be president again next year but um so and then i was um i was went to the local colleges and i was working uh night shifts and doing what people did to vibe and my dad would got in real estate so that's where he he got into and he encouraged me he said hey, you really should get your real estate license that's what i did i got my real estate license took me a uh, I didn't pass the first time, <laughs> mm -hmm. but but I got it when I was 19, oh, wow. and then I was still going to college, obviously, mm -hmm. and I was working uh, as a night manager, and I was working as a bouncer too. And then uh, when he, I graduated here in town, yeah, where yeah. Uh, what was it called then? The, the bouncing, yeah. What well, place? well, I, I'll give a plug out to my great brother uh, Tony Becerra. Uh, he runs Koikon Karate, and I uh, I've oh, been yeah. doing it. 35 years so I'm a fifth degree black belt oh okay and so I and so we did it for training so Tony and I were bouncing at Alex's Cantina in Goleta oh, in oh in Hollister Old Town yeah Old yeah. Town Old Town and then we did the uh, Brickyard and did um, Alex's when they opened on State Street so that's where I mostly bounced oh wow and cool. so uh, obviously I'm a white boy and we, we would we would uh, <laughs> bounce on Sunday nights which was Latino night there so I, I it, th those were crazy nights man there was some fight there was some, it was did great you, training did you get into some uh, scruffs with people well, I, uh -huh. I didn't I had yeah. to break up scruffs okay. yeah I, I <laughs> hopefully broke up the scruffs and right. it was great having Tony Becerra there great great school great just an amazing human being mm -hmm. and uh, so come down to Koi Kankarate and come train if you're listening yeah uh, he's just a great guy and then anyway so then when I got out of 
college, I have a degree in political science, and I thought I might want to be a lawyer. And like, I never pursued that. And then, um, and then I did some a business, and I go, hmm. Well, who the heck's going to hire somebody in a political science degree? And I already did real estate a little bit. I was doing houses, and I must say, I just hated it. And then, luckily, by the grace of God, I think I did an apartment deal with a guy I was partnering with at the time in Lompoc. And I go, oh my gosh, apartments! This just feels better to me. And at that time, Josh, nobody was really specializing in apartments. Uh, commercial agents, which were old guys like me now, uh, they they did everything. Residential agents said they would dabble in apartments, but nobody truly specialized in apartments except for one person who I'm still great friends with, Brian Bailey. He specialized in Isla Vista. Mm -hmm. So I knew I would go broke, so to speak, if I just did South County. So I just started, I because we didn't have computers in those days. So me and my friend, we would drive every street, everywhere, and write down the names and addresses of apartment buildings and put it in a folder, a binder, uh -oh. and we would just start cold calling folks. And then after whew, 20 years, I somehow became the expert in apartments. And <laughs> um, and then I was so blessed and fortunate that me and Bob Tuller and Steve Brown co-founded Radius Group, which has been just amazing. We're building a new office building for ourselves. We have an office in Ventura. Yeah. Also, we're building an office on Delaguerra mm -hmm. and some apartments there. So that's kind of my, so, my story. So you were calling around uh, to looking for people to sell. Want to sell. Yeah. So how did you accumulate enough to be able to be in this market to invest? You had you had partners or I mean Oh, for investing? Yeah, cuz I mean I think that there's for so many people the 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 most dangerous move is the first move. Yeah. And so when you're a young person and you're figuring this out on your own just sort of talking and you have the experience how did you develop, well, I, you know? I was doing brokerage most of the time, but I was fortunate enough to buy my own building other than like a condo kind of thing I own, which, uh, which was a duplex. Um, and I, I partnered it. I, I so, cause I didn't have that kind of money and, mm -hmm. and things, but obviously prices were quite a bit different then, but mm -hmm. still you had to come up with your 20% or 25%. So it's all relative really. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just grew it from there. But I'm, I'm a, I love partnerships. Mm -hmm. I, lo I love, uh, having partners within my company, obviously within the radius format. And I love, uh, I have a team of people that work with me. Um, and so I love having a team environment around me also. And then I'm fortunate enough as I've grown older in the career, uh, I've partnered with a lot of people, both we know actually, mm -hmm. and clients and, or they partner with me on, on stuff. Uh, Cause I learned long ago from, uh, um, Actually, a, a, a mentor of mine, a guy named Jerry Beaver from uh, Pacifica, he, he shared with me, my dad worked for him too. He shared, he goes, you know, you're never gonna get, uh, you're never gonna be able to really retire just doing brokerage and real estate. He goes, you really have to have your own investments. And, uh -huh. and, and now I'm getting, I just turned 60. So getting closer to that age where you go, oh, I'm glad I listened to some advice from people. Uh -huh. but, but it's amazing though, if you, if you if you put your focus on it and you really do it, because time, as we know, time flies by at times, but how much you can grow over a certain amount of times, because I was, I, nobody ever gave me a penny. And, uh, but I, you know, so I was able to do it just by working extra jobs or things like that, because it was a real goal for me yeah. to get some investment property. So I think if you're hungry for it, so to speak, mm -hmm. it, it could happen and it could still happen right now, for example, like I still help some people uh, with buying some properties. And for example, in our local area, 
Like if you want to stay in the county, heck, go try to buy a duplex in Lompoc yeah. or, or, or Santa Paula or things like that where the price points are so much different yeah. and you get a friend to invest with you and then you know, maybe a year or two later try to you know fix it up, maybe some value add, and then two years later try to sell it and then from the duplex get a fourplex. Yeah. Then from the fourplex get an eightplex. And you'll be surprised after 10 years on how much, if you put your mind to it, how much you can do if it's a passion of yours. Right. Now, now you mentioned uh, the, the sort of uh, residential sort of house real estate thing was not for you. And then once yeah. you found apartments, that's what you love. Yeah. Why? What was the difference? Because it wasn't emotional. Okay. Yeah. The emotional thing is I, I had a lot of listings. I, I, me and my buddy, Bill, we were partners and we did a lot of calls. So I had like 30 houses listed at one time. Okay. Which is a lot, yeah. right? When I was in, in the early 80s. And when people would, I was, it, when people would come in and, would, and make so because it's their house, right? Go, oh man, I don't like the carpet color, right? The fireplace is in the wrong spot, or which is still today. I was like, oh my goodness, I don't deal with these emotions very well, you know. But I was, I, I tried my best to do it at the time. Um, and then when I did the apartment deal, it's like it's numbers, it's numbers. You still want, no matter what, in real estate, Josh. It's still the thing, first thing you learn in real estate school. It's like location, location, location. Mm-hmm. That holds, that bodes the same in investment properties as I think in, in residential. Uh, but the, the emotion is not the, the, some emotion sometimes in investment properties, but for the most part, emotion is, is not that. It's a vehicle to get to another vehicle. Oh. So like the duplex to the fourplex or the ten unit to the 20 unit it's, it's just a roadmap that that and then that 10 unit person is this person that took the fourplex and they're they're growing their deal and everybody's it's puzzle pieces that move around yeah yeah okay well hey uh steve i really appreciate your time yeah. and uh sitting down explaining all of these issues uh to me because it's been very enlightening and i think really enlightening for our listeners so thanks a lot for your thanks. time it's great Okay, and you can find more podcasts like this at SantaBarbaraTalks.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Thank you.